listening to the Business of Baking podcast with Michelle Green, the small business podcast that's all about successfully running your own sweet food company without losing your mind. If you've ever brought dessert to a party and been told you can make a fortune selling those, then you're in the right place. This is an honest, straight-talking podcast about the highs and lows of being in small business. Fueled by late nights, crazy client stories, and a permanent sugar high, we're going to listen, share, and learn our way to sweet business success. Here's your host, writer, speaker, recovering cake decorator, and incurable sweet tooth, Michelle Green. Today's going to be an interesting day on the Business of Baking podcast because I'm talking to people who don't yet have a bakery and it's not a physical bakery and who are doing a very niche product. So, you know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while that this season, I've been really focusing on mental health, but I've also been focusing on speaking to people who do things a little differently because I think one of the limitations of our industry that we think exists but is not real, exists only in our minds, is that we have to have a physical bakery, that it has to be birthday cakes or wedding cakes, or that it has to be full of sugar, or it has to be whatever. And today I'm talking to a couple who own a business, which is not any of those things, and they are totally making it happen. So I'm excited to be speaking today to Allison and Matt of the company called PrimalNoms.com. And I'm going to let them tell their story, but the gist of it is it's an online bakery, which means no physical shop front, and... As much as this pains my pastry chef heart, it's got like no sugar, non-GMO, it's all good for you. I'm going to let them explain what their product is because I think they can do it better than I can. And I'm very excited because interestingly enough, they are, I think, I think you guys are the only ones who I've spoken to on the podcast who have not yet launched and we are about what, four weeks away? Something like that? Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully four weeks. All right. So we are counting now. We're all going to be watching you guys now. <laughs> So without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Allison and Matt. I'm very happy to have you here today. Thank you, Michelle. We're happy to be here. So, okay. Admittedly, I am 100% sugar addicted, like, <laughs> as in the real white bad for you stuff. Like I hear coconut sugar and I want to like break out in hives. So I want you guys first to explain to me what exactly is a primal nom other than nom nom nom. Right? <laughs> what exactly, like, what do you do? We need to know. What do you do? Well, that's kind of where we came up with it when we were brainstorming business names was the nom 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 really got us going. But we serve like the paleo and keto communities. So we thought primal kind of really lined up with that like primal style of eating, kind of going back to our roots as far as more of a paleo style. So that's kind of where the genesis of the name came from. And it thought it had kind of a nice ring to it as well. And so... What is paleo and keto? Other than, like, I'm telling you, I totally want to be like, this is just hipster rubbish. But it's, <laughs> but it's clearly not. So educate me. I don't understand the difference between those. And I'm sure people listening might not either. So give us some education about, like, what I don't understand what those things mean. I mean, I, I basically, yeah. I want to be like, it's no flavor, no fun. But that's just <laughs> clearly not true because I had a really good look at your website and those things look extremely delicious. So I'd love to understand more about what these kind of products are. Yeah, absolutely. So the keto diet is a diet that's been around since like the 50s. Mm -hmm. And originally it was, you know, used in medicine to kind of treat people with health conditions. But recently it's really come into mainstream or at least more mainstream as a really effective way to lose weight. And there's more and more science coming out that it's really just a healthy way for your body to function. Basically what it is, is that normally kind of on an American standard American diet, our body runs a lot of the time on glucose 
from either sugar or other refined carbohydrates that we eat. And when you get into ketosis, part of the, the ketogenic diet, you move your body from burning glucose for energy to burning ketones for energy, which are generated from the fat you have on your body. So that's why people see really like impressive weight loss results from it. Basically, your body's using your stored fat to burn for energy. Mm -hmm. So the basis of the diet is it's really high fat, low carb and moderate protein. So lots of butter and coconut oil. So they're very tasty products. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so you still get a lot of flavor because fat obviously has a lot of yeah, I could, I could get on board with lots of butter. <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> okay, so the idea is, so these products are, high, what do you say, high fat, moderate protein, no, I guess, I, guess, I guess no or low carbohydrate. And mm-hmm. is the idea that these, would, like, would these still be considered, in, a, in somebody who's doing a ketogenic or a paleo diet, would these still be considered a treat? Yes. Yeah, we're kind of marketing ourselves to people who are looking for a replacement for something that they used to love that's typically a higher carbohydrate snack or dessert or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to make an alternative for them that hopefully tastes just as good, but is made out of kind of alternative ingredients uh, that fit the macros that they're looking for, for a ketogenic diet, yep. and also fits some of the restrictions that a paleo diet has. And we didn't really talk about paleo, but paleo is just kind of a another segment that doesn't focus as much on macros, but more on where your food came from. So Mm -hmm. they try to avoid any processed foods, um, anything that has additives, anything like that, just to kind of go back to kind of the roots of eating and the roots of food and keep everything very natural. And so do you guys, is the interest in this because you live this lifestyle? We do, yes. It came about, the genesis of it came about when we started ketogenic diet. And when you first go through it, I kind of went in you know, cold turkey, tried to cut out carbs. Most people who are following the diet eat less than like 25 grams of carbs a day, which is like half a slice of white bread, just for reference. So it's very, very low. I'm trying not to freak out about that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. It's really low. So it's an adjustment for sure. And the first couple of days were kind of hard. Most people wouldn't suggest you just go all in like that. You do kind of go through some cravings for these snacks and high carbohydrate things that you loved in the past, but you can't have anymore. So we're trying to you know, develop those products so people can transition into this diet easier and have some of the things that they already love to eat. Uh-huh. And I think that will help people stick with their diet a little more successfully and hopefully just help people be healthier. And so obviously you started out like the, the crazy plan. I was, that doesn't sound fair, but the more extreme <laughs> plan. And then obviously found a way to kind of still make it work for you without having to be so extreme about it, I guess. Exactly, Is that- yeah. This was kind of a way to moderate it for myself. So I still felt like I was getting a treat, but still, you know, sticking to my diet. Yeah. And presumably there are other people who would benefit from this, right? I mean, there are all sorts of people with allergies and food sensitivities and whatever. So presumably the market out there is not just people doing either paleo or ketogenic diet. It's also people who just have a general interest in good health and might have allergic issues and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. And so here's my, those two things. I know you said that keto diet's been around since the 50s, but presu- I mean, you know, those things have reached a resurgence at the moment. And they're, I guess we call them trendy. I feel like that's not really a fair word, but they're in the spotlight at the moment. So if you're going to go and start this bakery that 
is focused on diets that at the moment are seeing a resurgence. Do you have any concerns that like a year from now or two years from now, something else will be popular and then your products won't be anymore? Or do you really feel like, yep, we've checked and this is something that's going to have some longevity to it? I do think there's some longevity to it just because of the results people are seeing from the diet. And I mean, the results that I've felt on the diet, I didn't specifically do it for weight loss, but there's a lot of other health benefits. It's very anti-cancer. It helps with kind of your mental clarity, your energy throughout the day. And I've felt a lot of those ancillary effects. There's a lot of science and Mm -hmm. studies that are coming out around it now that it has become a little more trendy and popular. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that's showing really, really promising results for just having a healthy body and a healthy lifestyle. So there very well could be something else that comes along and also becomes trendy. But I do think a lot of people are going to stick with this diet because of the results that they're getting. And so how did you guys validate that there's even an interest in this? Because when I heard about the paleo in particular, more than keto, the paleo diet, where it's like not processed foods and it's eating things in their most natural state and whatever, like it sounds a little contradictory, right? They want to eat things as they were eaten in the time of cave people or whatever, but yet cave people did not have a raspberry muffin. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm, well, I'm serious, right? So there's like that a certain, very true. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't want to call it a moral question. It's not really a moral <laughs> question, but you know, there's that whole thing. Like, how can we be like, here's a paleo muffin when I'm pretty sure dudes in the whatever era <laughs> were not baking stuff. So how did you validate that this was going to fly? Yeah. So I will say that our initial kind of market segment was definitely people who were on the keto diet. And once I started you know, working on products more and kind of developing a recipe, I realized that almost all the ingredients we were using were also applicable to someone who was on the paleo diet. So there probably are some hardcore paleoers that would say <laughs> there are no caveman muffins. Yeah, <laughs> they're right. They're the ones. And that's around. okay. They're, they're not around. for us. They're walking around in loinskins or something. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. But, but I also think, you know, people are people like we're all very busy. Yeah. A lot of people who, you know, would make paleo baked goods or keto baked goods at their house may just want to buy something off the shelf because, you know, we are all busy and mm-hmm. sometimes you don't have time to do it on your own. So we want to oh, try for to sure for those people. And there is the cost, obviously, because if you're doing these things, I mean, I'm assuming that you would need, you know, high protein flours or, you know, almond meal or things that are generally not necessarily easy to get, particularly if you Mm -hmm. live in in a rural area or a small town, things that have a higher cost benefit. And I imagine a bit like the whole gluten-free thing, even if you bake for yourself, it's a lot of trial and error to find one that actually tastes legit, right? Mm -hmm. That's part of the process too, right? I know that from my own baking gluten-free is easy to do but hard to get right like it's not hard to throw something together that's gluten-free but it's hard to throw something together that's gluten-free and tastes like you want to eat it more than once Mm -hmm. (laughs) right so there's that kind of you know you guys are meeting that market who wants all those things kind of done for them which i understand not everyone's a baker of normal food let alone specialty food right Mm -hmm. yeah definitely yeah we started baking it in our own kitchen for like three months and couldn't get a recipe that would last longer than two days because they're such so high in fat that they would, it would just go rancid after like two days. So we ended up actually hiring a recipe developer to help us to create a recipe that will actually last. Right. Well, that would be a major issue. If you're online only and you're shipping, you have the time of the shipping to consider as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Because we could make them here and if we kept them in a fridge, you know, we would have time to enjoy them. And that's kind of where 
the idea came from, from making some for ourselves. But yeah, we started looking at the logistics of how we get these into people's hands. And because keto is, it's trendy, but it's still very new. So I didn't feel like a storefront or something local, we would have the community to support it. Mm -hmm. But there are very strong online communities where people kind of congregate to talk about ketogenic things and their diet. And we thought, you know, going direct to those people would be the best way to go. Yeah, yeah absolutely. To, to get the stability out of the product initially. So, yeah. Okay, so let's just, I want to go back a couple of steps. So you are living this keto life. You're discovering that there's not much out there if you want a bit of a treat. So you create your own and you go, okay, you know what? If we want this, other people want this, right? Yeah. And then you're like, okay, but in our home kitchen, we can't quite get the science of this right. So you hire this food scientist or recipe developer to do this for you. Like, when was the point at which you went, like, was there a moment where you're like, hey, these are really good. I bet other people would want them. Like, do you have friends that ate them and said that to you? Like, what was the process of going, I like baking for myself to actually maybe we should sell these? Because in a normal cake maker's world or baker's world, like they bring a cake to a party, right? And the people at the party are like, you should sell those. But that's not how this would have worked for you guys, I'm guessing. <laughs> Unless you had a big keto block party or something. So I how, think we, how did that work? We started it just with the business mindset. We were looking for businesses to start because we wanted to have location freedom from where we currently live. And so we were looking at what our current lifestyle is and what we enjoy doing and things that would be aligned with our values that could possibly bring us income that would be location independent. Mm -hmm. And so we started brainstorming like hundreds of business ideas. And then this one came up. Mm -hmm. So this didn't start from the product. This started from we want a business. What are we going to do? Yeah, we had been making some products just by being on the diet. Yeah. But yeah, we were actively seeking business ideas and evaluating all types of different things that we thought we might be able to do. So once we started looking into this and we realized that there aren't a lot of people who are providing kind of a ready-made product. There's no one that provides ready-made muffins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We kind of launched into it to try to figure it out and see how we could, you know, work through all the inherent issues and logistics of getting a manufactured and shipped. Right. And the logistics is the hard part of this product of any, of of any product actually that has a shelf life. (laughs) That's the hard part, the shipping and the the shelf life and the packaging it so that they don't get it. And it's like a pile of crumbs, you know, all that that sort of jazz. (laughs) Have you guys, spoken to people in this market and said hey like have you sent out free samples like well so now you're like okay we have this we want to have a business we've discovered that this is the business we want to have but have you worked out is like and you know there's or you think at this stage there's a market for it because you know there's nothing out there so what was the process of validating this idea like did you go to this these online groups and be like hey anybody want some free muffins like how did you then make sure because part of the story i haven't mentioned yet is that both of you are full-time engineers but only for like another week, right? (laughs) Yeah. Right. And you're quitting your job, your full-time engineering jobs to do this Mm -hmm. business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And travel and and live the nomad lifestyle. So that's a pretty amazing choice to make. So presumably given that you're engineers and therefore very process oriented, I'm guessing that there was a process of going, well, are there people who are going to buy this product? So can you tell me a bit about that? Definitely. So We really tried to evaluate, you know, the whole keto market and just its size and how many, you know, people were in there. We did that a lot of ways just by kind of diving into a lot of the places that people do hang out online, both like, you know, Facebook groups, Instagram influencers, YouTube. And there was a lot of people that were very interested in that diet and 
then we started diving deeper into what products already existed. And that's one of the ways that we landed on muffins. I evaluated probably like 60 different food items that I could come up with and looked for low carb alternatives, things that were already potentially meeting that need, like previous Atkins style products, which were similar. It's usually not quite as high integrity ingredients. And I really just put everything in a spreadsheet because I'm an engineer and I learned out, you know, all the competitors. I tried to evaluate, you know, people who were selling on Amazon, estimating how much traffic and sales they were getting basically any data I could find on competitors and how they were currently doing to give us an idea of how many people were buying products in the space yep. and kind of evaluated that against our goals. I don't think we needed a lot to get, get us going in it just because we are going to be living in a van and we keep a pretty minimalist lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So I was targeting like $5,000 a month in the first you know year. So making some assumptions, I found, okay, if we can get you know, a reasonable amount of market penetration, we could get close to that pretty easily. So I'm learning a lot as I go now, as far as, you know, getting everything manufactured Mm. and some of our, my estimates on, you know, what price points look like and margins might be different than what I expected. I I think we all go through that process. We're like, yeah, it's going to cost me a dollar to create this. And then exactly (laughs) six months later, you're like, uh, more like 10 bucks. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So we're still working through some of that, but well, so so yeah, sent out free yeah. samples to influencers in the keto space and got their feedback on it and they posted on their social media. And we also created a website that, well, what traffic could go to and they could buy a muffin there. And so we evaluated how many people like clicked through and how many people signed up before we even invested in a developer just to see if people were interested in it. Right. Yeah. Well, so the website you went to has some pictures of the products that we made here. So that's mm-hmm. not actually going to be our final product, I don't think. Okay. But I put up a few different options and then I made it look like you could buy them. So I put prizes on them. You can buy all the way through to the checkout page. And then there is no place to put in your payment information. There's just a email subscription box and let's know that we're not quite ready yet, but to sign up and we'll they'll be the first to know when we're ready to ship. Yeah. So we use that to kind of evaluate, okay, people are hitting this page. Do they like the style product? Which style product do they like the most? Are they okay with the price point? And a lot of test a lot of things kind of early on before we invested a lot of money. You guys invested a lot of time in market validation, which I think most definitely, of us, which I think to be honest, most of us in this industry don't do, but you're in a unique situation where you sort of have no choice to do it because it is such a highly specialized product. I mean, yeah. we all know everyone eats birthday cake, right? With how much evaluation you really have to do about that part. But <laughs> keto birthday cake is a different story altogether. Or keto muffins or whatever is a different... Like, I think if you hadn't done that, I would have been surprised. I would have been like, wow, okay. You think it's a good idea and you're quitting your jobs? What? <laughs> you've obviously put loads and loads and loads of thought into all of this. And one thing, uh, Mac, that you mentioned that I wanted to add to the people listening to this is that... As of about a month from now, Allison and Matt will no longer be living at a fixed address, which I, think is, which I think is amazing, right? I mean, that's the whole point, right? Digital nomads, whatever. And so what I find fascinating about this, I know quite a lot of people who live the, the lifestyle that you guys are after, be that in a, in a caravan or a van or just traveling from place to place, Airbnb at whatever they're doing. So what I find fascinating is that the business you chose to build is it not fixed location for you guys, but it's a fixed product. So how are you, like somebody's got to bake it and send it and whatever. So how are you getting around that logistical bit? If you guys are wondering the US or wherever it is you're wondering, how is that going to work with the product? Like is the idea that this becomes a kind of a hands-off business for you guys and someone else does the baking and the packaging and you just run the 
business side of the business. How it, explain to us the logistics of that part of it because I think it's very cool. So I want to know how it's going to work. And by yeah. the way, I'm jumping in that van with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you totally need me, right? We're going to have a, a spare room of a hammock that hangs over our bed. <laughs> oh, that works That's for me. Best bedroom. I'm cool with that. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So the whole goal, like Allison said, was to kind of be location independent. And we decided we wanted to make this leap before we decided to settle down and have a family. And we're really doing that to try to, you know, be able to live wherever we want and have the time to really spend with that new family when we decide to start having kids. Yep. So the whole, like she said, the whole goal was to, you know, start a business. And so we're really trying to structure it in a way that we run kind of the business side of things, like you said, just kind of marketing and coming up with new product ideas and mm-hmm. helping to get those developed and, and then, you know, contracting people to make those as well. So we're really focusing on nailing down our manufacturers and kind of distribution channels and getting all of the kinks ironed out in that right now. But yeah, the goal would be contract with another bakery that has excess capacity, hopefully one that works in like allergy sensitive foods or in gluten-free products, something kind of already alternative. So they're a little more familiar with our type of products. Um, We're talking with a few companies about that now. And then we just have to set up the logistics between them and a distributor who can store our products and ship it out. Um, when we get orders on that on our website. And so is the idea that the only place people can buy this is going to be your website or are you planning on having it available as an example on Amazon or in other places? We had talked about putting it on Amazon. I haven't done a lot of research into that yet. I Initially, we'd planned just to kind of have it up on our website, but I think Amazon obviously has a lot of traffic. There's a lot of people already going there looking for stuff. So I think there's definitely a value to getting your products on that site in front of people. So that's definitely something that we were going to evaluate. But right now we're just focused on getting a product out the door and into the hands of some of our customers. So Yeah, we just need to get it to some people first and then we can get it to the masses, right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. yeah. So one of the things I really love about this is I, one of the things I talk about very often is that choices about having a storefront, running it from home, doing it online, whatever, are all about lifestyle. A question mm-hmm. I commonly get is, you know, do I have to have a storefront, Michelle? And I'm like, well, no, <laughs> is the answer. And, or, or they'll say something like, you know, do you think I have to have one to be successful? I'm like, well, no. Or they'll say, do you think I can be based at home and that's okay? And my answer to all of this is you actually have to look at your lifestyle more than anything else. It's the life you want to live then defines the business you want to run, not the other way around. Too many of us, I think, do it the other way around. We start a business and then that business ends up defining our lives. But I love that you guys have actually kind of turned this on your heads and went, actually, our lifestyle comes first and then we're going to develop a business that fits into that, right? That's, you know, all the location independent stuff, the getting other people to do it, the fitting into our dietary needs. Like, I love that you guys actually went about this, what I would call the right way, but most people don't do it that way. Which Thank is, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that you build your business around your life, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That was always our goal whenever we started down this quest was we, you know, because we have really good jobs, really high paying jobs, and we were just felt stuck. And so that was kind of like the motivation for even considering starting a business. Mm -hmm. 
So now we're at the stage of we have some delicious products. We have this really mm-hmm. cool website. We know that there are people who are desperate to buy it. You guys are now at the stage, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, but you're at the stage of kind of figuring out the logistics of getting it into the hands of the right people. And mm-hmm. so presumably this is launching in about a month. We're, we're aiming for about a month from now, yeah? It's what we're shooting for. Shooting yeah. for a month. Yeah, like all things, it's a flexible <laughs> time. And so what's going to happen next? Once we get the manufacturer sorted out, then is it just like a huge marketing push? Or like, yeah. what have you guys planned? Between now and launch, what's on the agenda? So we already have a pretty established base on Instagram and in our email list so and connections with influencers. So right now our push is just to figure out the manufacturing piece of it because we've been calling probably hundreds of manufacturers and figuring out which one has will work with our minimums and with our ingredients and give us the best pricing and so we're really trying to get the mug cake product out first because it is a dry product so it doesn't require any cold storage like the muffin product will and so that logistically is easier and it can last longer and so we're hoping to get that one out at the end of april and so Uh, this is like a just for those who don't know it's a dry cake mix that you chuck it in a mug add water or mm. whatever add oil add whatever and then cook it in microwave and it's like instant cake for one exactly yeah Yeah. so yeah that is our going to be our first product but the hard part is like just finding someone who will agree to do low minimums for because you know we're still a startup so we don't want to invest tens of thousands of dollars into a product that you know we still don't know like we've done all of our math and we've really proved it out to feel confident enough to leave our jobs obviously but we also have a significant amount in savings so if something happens that to this business like we'll still be fine yeah, of course. And you don't so, want like a garage full of mug cake mix if you can't, yeah. exactly. can't move yeah. it, right? Yeah, we're trying to, you know, just take it to the second level of testing, which is, you know, get some small batches, get that mm-hmm. out for order. And then, yeah, leverage influencer connections that we've made to help market that. Right. So this is an interesting point. The marketing has actually begun before the product exists. Mm, yeah. The marketing was part of our validation like i said when we were doing market research we started that instagram page we started you know trying to acquire followers see if people were interested in it Mm -hmm. and we did get a really great response i think for Mm -hmm. you know not having a product because i think the real growth is going to happen when people can get their hands on it Mm -hmm. and you start getting more social proof encouraging other people to post being able to send a product to people for evaluation and get some guest posts things like that yeah well once they can see it taste it you know video themselves going "Mm," you know (laughs) they're eating it whatever that's all that's all amazing so really fascinating because the whole thing is kind of like all set up we just need to get this stuff out the damn door already that's the idea right yeah 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 we've been in a push to get that sort out and like i said yeah a lot of co-manufacturers are used to dealing with larger accounts there's not a lot to specialize in startups obviously of there's course, more yeah. yeah there's more work and more you know headaches working with a small company and you're they're still not guaranteed you know that that company will take off so yeah, it's been yeah. a little more challenging than i think we expected it to be mm-hmm. to kind of get off the ground but we're hoping to find somebody that can work with us where we are now and also work with us where we hope we are going to be in the near future. And this may or may not make you feel better, but I recently learned, listened to a podcast with the founder of Spanx mm-hmm. and she had to go to, I can't even remember now, some ridiculous number of manufacturers before she would find anybody that would even vaguely do a small run for her. It is really hard. It is yeah. really hard because as a small business, right? We have no idea what the actual, I mean, we can project, 
but we don't mm. really know how much we need. And we need it at the cheapest possible because we're investing at the cheapest possible. And it's, I think the initial breaking into the manufacturing thing is the hardest part. Once you're in, you're in, yeah. you know, you're good, but it's getting there and convincing somebody to back you, which is probably the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's can, definitely what we found. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think with every business, it takes longer than <laughs> we've expected because we had this idea about a year ago and now it took about six months to develop the recipe and, or eight months probably to develop the recipe. And then it's taken like three months so far to find a manufacturing and we still, we have a bunch of leads, but we're not, hundred percent certain on any of them yet. So, so it begs the question, and I'm sure there's a good answer for this. Why don't you just go, you know what, for the next three months, we are going to be stuck in California and we're just going to self manufacture this thing until it gets to the stage of the minimums that the manufacturer, like I totally appreciate the nomadic lifestyle desire, whatever. But I guess the question is how come you don't just go, you know what, for three months, we're going to be at home making this at home from our registered kitchen, whatever, until we can then meet those. Like, is the push to be yeah. nomadic, I don't know, stronger than? I feel like that's not quite the right word. But like, is that is that the priority over the whole getting, do you know what I mean? Because yeah. I listen to this and I'm like, okay, so who cares about the manufacturers? Make this stuff yourself for a while until you yeah. get enough sales to get to the point of saying to those manufacturers, well, now I need, you know, 50 pounds a week or whatever it is. Mm. etc so yeah that's our backup plan (laughs) oh okay (laughs) so the business is more important than our nomadic lifestyle right now because we really want to get it going and it it will support it will support the nomadic lifestyle right exactly yeah. yeah so we have a commercial kitchen that we can go to and do it in but we're really trying to get it to the point where we don't have to so while we're still in our jobs for the next week, we're still trying to find a manufacturer. Yeah, a manufacturer. So okay, but you have a plan B in case that doesn't work out or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we've definitely discussed that. But there's some additional stuff that goes along with that, even more logistics as far as getting licensed and all of your permits and yep. everything like that. So we recently did start looking into that as our backup plan. And in California, it can take you 60 days just to get a permit from the Department of Health for yeah, the state that, of California. That's a process in and of itself, basically. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm having to learn a lot, you know, just to do that. So we're hoping to find someone who already has a lot of that in place and also yep. takes a lot of that, that burden for compliance and things like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's something we're, we're considering, especially if we kind of keep bumping into brick walls, we might have to camp out in the van in the kitchen parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that doesn't sound so bad. Those like permanent, <laughs> like permanent summer camp. I'm all for that. <laughs> okay, so at the moment we have the mug cake mix and I know you guys have muffins. What other products are there currently? And also, this is a two-part question. What's the vision? Like, is this going to have hundreds of products? Is this going to ship across the world? Like, what do you have now? And what's the vision for, for Primal Moms? So we do only have a two products right now that have been like kind of formally developed, but we have a lot of ideas for others. And I think we'll keep kind of working in the market segment where we provide kind of healthy alternative snacks that fit the ketogenic and paleo lifestyles. And if I exhaust all of the potential snack foods I can think of, then maybe we'll branch out into other item types. But I think that gives us a pretty long runway of new products to start introducing. And, you know, we'll run with the ones that do well and cut the ones that don't do well. And we'll kind of see where that ends up. So I don't know that I have this future vision 100% planned out, but I know that there is a lot of opportunity in front of us if we keep our eyes open and 
and keep working that direction. Yeah, and, and if you've already determined it's an underserviced sector of the food market, well, really, the sky's the limit, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, hope so. I mean, you know, you start with muffins and mug cake mix today, and then tomorrow it's, you know, I don't know, cornbread mix. Oh, no, wait, that's probably yeah. way too hard carbs. Corn is, like, really bad for you. <laughs> Not a video. Right. I picked the wrong thing. Okay, but, you know. And cookies and yeah, crackers cookies and, and yeah. Bread mixes and all, and all kinds of yeah. stuff that, that people could, in theory, either mm-hmm. do themselves or buy finished from you. I mean, there is nece- not necessarily a limit to how far this product could go, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Our creativity is a limit. Yeah, right? Well, and this, and once the manufacturing is sorted out, that won't be a limitation anymore. It's just how right. far... You, and also, I suppose, what people are interested in purchasing and, mm-hmm. you know... Yeah, I'm sure. Things. Obviously, some products will take off and others may not do as well. So we'll just have to kind of keep evaluating as we move forward and introducing new items to see what... Kind of yeah. double down on what works, mm-hmm. kind of trim off what doesn't. So I am I'm married to an engineer and I know yeah. that he is extremely risk averse as most engineers are. They need to have their 10 what's You guys have heard that expression measure twice and cut once? <laughs> like like yeah, from yeah. I feel like engineers is like measure 85 times and then you maybe maybe cut once after several evaluations. So this is like I feel like personality wise, you know, or the nature of who you are, this is a particularly big emotional leap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From people with a good fixed income in a very certain environment to be like, yep, we're going to get in the van and we're going to own an online company and we're going <laughs> to do all of this sort of stuff. So I think it's amazing. So I have to ask, are you excited? Are you terrified? Are you equal parts both? Like what's the emotional and also props to you for doing it together. I never want to work with my husband ever. And so and <laughs> my parents did that. My parents worked together. And I know lots of people who do work with their partners. But you guys are doing this together, which on the one hand, I feel like is the best thing ever. On the other hand, a little scary, right? What if one of you gets the wobbles and freaks out? <laughs> and the other, so tell me about like the emotional side of, is it all, like, are we terrified? Are we just excited? Are we everything? What's the emotion behind all of this? Because you guys are at such an exciting part of this process. So Matt actually wrote a really good blog post on evaluating risk because he did an extensive risk evaluation <laughs> before we quit our jobs. Of course so, he did. <laughs> yeah. So basically what the conclusion was, was it was riskier given our goals of wanting to travel and wanting to stay at home with our family and live an alternative lifestyle given those were our goals like it was actually riskier for us to stay in our current jobs because that wouldn't be getting us closer to our goals so right be moving you nowhere basically exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. do you want to wow. expand on that yeah so i mean we kind of broke it down that way by looking at you know okay where do we want to be three years five years ten years and like ali said you know the big things that kept coming up in our discussions were location independence time independence obviously travel is really important to us and it's great to stay. We do have really good jobs and they treat us really well and we make a lot of money, but that money came at a cost. And that was that, you know, we were chained to our two weeks and four weeks of vacation. You know, we had to live in Bakersfield, California, which is not our favorite place in the world, <laughs> not the place we see ourselves settling down. Right. And with the timeline of us wanting to have kids in like three to four years, we could stay here and just save and save and save. But we would miss out on the opportunity to do what we're doing now and get something off the ground before we decide to settle and have a family. So it's kind of how I looked at the risk of staying where we are versus leaving. Just like Ali said, staying wasn't going to get us to the goals that we had for our life. 
Right. This dovetails beautifully with something I think about my own life and how, how I choose to live my life, which is the pain of not doing is actually way more painful than the potential failure of doing. And so many people don't chase their dreams because they're afraid of failing, afraid of failing, afraid of failing. I'm afraid of staying in the same spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. you're right. The price you're paying for the good money and the stable jobs and the blah, blah, blah is the lack of freedom mm-hmm. and the lack of choice and the lack of travel and the lack of movement and the lack of, you know, whatever. But I think a lot of us do live in this fear space where it's like, I'm so terrified that I'm going to fail or I'm so terrified that it won't work or I'm so terrified that whatever that we kind of get, we have this false belief that staying in the same place is somehow doing us good. And I think often it's not doing us good. So but I love that two engineers came to this conclusion. This makes me very happy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because the nature, I know I'm generalizing broadly here, but the nature of people who become engineers is you're very process oriented and very mm-hmm. risk averse and very like, we need to make sure all the boxes are ticked, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And we also planned for this, like planned for something like this for three years or so. And so we have enough money saved up to where for three years, if, you know, these businesses don't make any money, worst case scenario, we'll go back and get jobs. So yeah. that's something that like we, keep in the back of our mind that like, okay, even if we blow up in flames and like absolutely fail, which I know we won't because I believe in us and we, you know, we believe in, in our business and what we want to create. Mm-hmm. But even if worst case scenario that happens, then worst case is we go back and get jobs. Like that's not even that bad. So <laughs> it's like getting the fear. There is definitely waves of fear though. I will be real about that and anxiety just because we are doing something that is so ruining my career. Like, you know, I won't be able to come back and stuff. And I'm like, you know, that might be true for you, but I believe like in our businesses. And I also believe that if they don't work out, I will be able to come back and I will be able to find another job. And well, so, yeah. Is you're able-bodied, educated yeah. people living in a free country. So <laughs> even if you- Exactly. Life is good, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, even if it did all blow up, metaphorically speaking, and <laughs> You couldn't go back and be an engineer. You probably still could go back to something. You're not going to be destitute. Exactly. Yeah. Right. For sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, the most embarrassing thing is probably going to be your friends being like, oh, so that whole muffin thing didn't work out, hey? (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like you guys would survive that and be (laughs) We would laugh about it and be like, yeah, "Yeah, Yeah, that was a really bad idea. (laughs) We learned a lot, though. We'll do better next time. Well, right? Like, I feel like it's not that bad. If your friends are a bit shamey, well, whatever, you know? And, you know, the truth of the matter is they're probably all walking around feeling a little jealous. They didn't try it. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So do you, so that's a good question, actually. Here you are upending your entire lives. Have you got friends or family members who are like, you two are out of your freaking minds? Yes, we have. But, you know, I think it's coming from a loving place of they are legitimately concerned because they have expectations for us or they had, you know, ideas of how we were going to live our life. And then when we don't fit that mold, it's like, oh my gosh, they're self-destructing or, you know, they're going to blow up in flames, like I said. And that is really scary to them. But then once I explained to them our passion behind it and our heart behind it, they come on our side eventually. We haven't had anyone who's been like, we're not going to speak with you because what you're doing is absolutely absurd, you know, because (laughs) once we explain really our hearts behind it, they come around. 
<laughs> I usually find that people who are not supportive, it's not that they're, yes, it comes from a loving place. I totally agree about that, Alison. Yeah. But also, it's not that they're not supportive. It's that they can't imagine doing it themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they're extreme. They yeah. And their kind of extreme fear about it is what mm-hmm. really kind of, you know, they're like, oh my God, you're crazy. Because they can't imagine doing that themselves or they won't allow themselves to imagine that that's a possibility. So, exactly. I agree with that. Yeah. You know? And I wouldn't say everyone in the world is coming from a loving place. Those are just the people that we surround ourselves with. I'm sure there are people who are farther, not in our close circle, who are, you know, more acquaintances who are probably like jealous and think, you know, that would never be possible for them. So why would, you know, why would we be allowed to do this or we be given this opportunity? So For sure. Okay. So last question for you guys. If you could go back a year ago to when you hatched mm-hmm. this plan and tell your current selves a piece of advice, what would that be? Be Fun? really patient. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be fun to manufacture it. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. All right, be really patient. All right, that it'll take longer than you think, right? Yes. Yeah, it's so easy to come up with an idea and be like, oh, we can do this tomorrow. Like, <laughs> it'll be easy. It'll go just like this. And you build up this like, you know, roadmap in your mind. And you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But there's always so many unexpected challenges and things that come up. Yeah, it's been a, an interesting ride so far mm-hmm. for sure. But yeah, it's taken a lot more effort in certain areas and time in certain areas than we expected. Nothing's ever focusing. an overnight success, right? No, yeah. definitely not. And just focusing on the next best thing to do. That's because it's easy also to get overwhelmed when you're like, oh my gosh, I've called 100 co-packers and none of them can help us. You know, well, okay, what's the next thing I can do? Okay, I can call another one. <laughs> or I can do more research to find other ones that would meet our specifications or, you know, just the next thing. Yeah, sometimes all you can do is just keep on keeping on, right? Yeah. And exactly. every phone call that's a rejection is still progress. Exactly. Right? You got to go through all the no's to get to the yeses. Yeah. So. For sure. In most industries, I think that's true. I mean, that's true if we break it down to really simple. That's what recipe testing is too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? You try a bajillion of them before you find the one you're like, oh, this one didn't sink. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the the process of getting anywhere is all about trial and error and failing a lot. A lot. Mm -hmm. Or getting rejected a lot. And really, the ones who succeed are the ones who are like, yeah, well, failed that one. Here we go again. And you just keep on keeping on, you know? Yeah. What else are you going to do? And you guys can always keep going down the road literally in the van. (laughs) (laughs) You just like get in the van and be like, right, Bakersfield didn't work out. We're heading for the next town. (laughs) I love this. I'm so glad you guys came to talk to me today. I think it's really exciting also to talk to you at a time when you are just like on the brink of this multi-year. It's not really a year. It's longer than that. Four or five year plan finally coming to fruition. And I feel like the next you know, six or nine months for you guys are going to be super, super, super probably exciting and maybe a little bit frustrating, but exciting. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. We're very excited. At this point, nothing takes away from the fact that you made it happen. You're quitting your jobs in a week. The converted van exists. It's nearly (laughs) done, right? The products exist. The fact is, even Mm. if you don't sell a single muffin, you did it. It's true. (laughs) Well, you did. It's definitely true. Yeah. Right. And just to get to this point was a heck of a lot of work and effort mm-hmm. and faith and all that sort of stuff. So I say, yeah, you guys, I'm very excited to see what happens. For Thank those you. of you, I know this is like very cool. I love talking to people nice. actually who are doing things just, yeah. You know, you guys are still bakers and decorators and all the same things. Everybody else who listens to this podcast is you're just doing it mm-hmm. in a different way. And I think that that's super cool. So I'm very much in support of this. I can't say that 
like tomorrow I'm going to stop this whole white sugar addiction thing. <laughs> but I feel like I can commit to eating normal things and keto things. <laughs> well, we'll send you a mug cake or a muffin once we get it. And you can right. tell us, it's, it's you give deal. us a comparison. <laughs> I'll be like, it was really good after I ate my normal one. <laughs> Actually, they can't compare. Right. You you can't. Gotta, yeah. You got to go easy on us since it's not full of white sugar. Yeah. It's going to be a little different. I think that's the thing to compare is actually is not fair. It is a completely no. innovative and different product and it, it yeah. meets a different market. So to compare it is actually probably not a lot fair anyway, but I'm going to eat both and just enjoy both for what they are individually. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> so for anybody who is interested and wants to hear more about these guys, I will put their website underneath the show notes for the show, but you can reach them at primalnoms.com. And this is Allison and Matt Owen, and they are super amazing. And the rest of us just want to follow you around in the van. And I wish you both <laughs> all the best luck in the world. It's, you know, from a, a business advisor point of view, it definitely sounds like you're doing all the right things. And just from a human point of view, choosing your lifestyle, I think makes you doing all the right things on that one too. So I'm excited to see where you guys go next. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you, Michelle. This was fun. This is super fun, right? I'm good at chatting to people who do cool stuff. (laughs) (laughs) All right. For those of you who are finishing up listening today, thank you for listening to us today. For those of you who want to catch me in person this year, I'll be traveling in Australia, the United States. Canada and the United Kingdom. You can find more information about that at bizbakeontour.com. Who knows? I might have to like bring some paleo treats with me because every time I teach a class, there's always somebody who's vegetarian or paleo or keto or something. So I might have to bring, I might have to be like, this class sponsored by primalmoms.com. <laughs> so you can meet me in person. If not, you can always check out what's happening at thebizbaking.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. You can find show notes, links, and other fun stuff for this and previous episodes at thebizofbaking.com. Until next time, may your oven stay evenly hot, your ganache never split, and may you always be in the business of being awesome.